Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you go as a pilot. It took me basically 20 years to get a command with with South African Airways, and and it, when when you when you go and apply for a position like that, it's it's basically a full life position because you you go in on a seniority list and you work your way up the ladder. Today I'm talking to Mark Furry, who is an airline pilot in South Africa. Hello, Mark. Hi, good morning. <laughs> How are you? Fine and you. I'm fine, thank you. It's so lovely to meet you here on Zoom. Yes, likewise. <laughs> yeah. Where are you based? I'm living in uh, South Africa in the Western Cape at the moment. I'm living in Still Bay on our family farm. Oh, I see. Oh, I know Still Bay. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And and tell me, in uh, you are um, um, an airline pilot. Yes. I would love to know your story. You know what initiated uh, you know being the or the the interest in aviation. Well, I started after school. I went and did my private license, and I've been flying flat out ever since, except for this period now when COVID struck and the mm-hmm. airline working for South African Airways was decimated and uh, that was already in the pipeline before um, before COVID hit but uh, COVID was one of the nails in its coffin and uh, um, yeah I haven't been flying since then I've been keeping my license going but uh, I haven't had an opportunity to fly again. Really but now um, tell me as a you say you started after school but as a young boy were you um in, what made the interest in, in aviation? Um, my father flew um, privately when I was a little boy and um, I enjoyed going with him and, and flying with him. And, uh, that kind of sparked the interest in it. And then mm-hmm. just uh, once the bug bit, it was just uh, taking it from there. Yeah, but yeah. This, is what I, this is what I realized during the time is it's the, this uh, with you... Uh, in in the aviation it's something that started you know from a young age that it's something sparked and then you're all in it but was it your training what did you train through an airline uh initially um privately all, all done privately uh in south africa there weren't many opportunities to do it through um through the air force or through um, sponsorships uh, fortunately, my father had the means to to help me pay for it. So uh, I did uh, private license in George, and then in Cape Town, I did my commercial license. I flew in Namibia, went and flew charters for um, for about three years, um, flying doing the bush flying. That was fantastic because it was very um, uh, free, and you, you were basically uh, a young person taking tourists around all over the beautiful country in nice weather and a good good way to learn um, and get grounded in, in flying. And then uh, I flew for Air Namibia for about a year on their beach 1900s. And uh, then after that, I flew for SA Express for about uh, three years, just under three years uh, on their Dash 8s. They, they were a fledgling company uh, at the time. And, um, and then from 1997, I've been with South African Airways. I've been blessed with a nice long career there and uh, flew all the A300s, which was a nice three-man operation, which is quite unusual in this day and age. And uh, 
that was uh, quite a good experience. And um, and then so, uh, seventh yeah. yeah. No, so um, in in that time, you say um, a three man operation. That's uh, explain more to me what that lingo means. <laughs> uh, uh, that technology. It was the first Airbus that, that Airbus created or made, and um, it was based on on a similar cockpit to the the seven four seven, and it had a flight engineers panel. So we needed a flight engineer to manage the fuel and some of the aircraft systems, hydraulics and the, and the pressurization, um, where the more modern airplanes, those systems are all automated. So um, it was nice in the sense that if, when you had a problem, you had an extra extra mind to, to troubleshoot with uh, and, um, and to discuss issues. Uh, and... Um, with the depth of experience uh, at South African Airways, uh, it was a great learning ground because uh, there was so much um, information and, and, and wealth brought brought through from all the generations past. And uh, yeah, I, I remember I did an interview with Rian van Sal, and you actually told me that um, as a pilot, you you sort of know also you know certain things that you can fix from from where you are in the cockpit or, or mm. how, how to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, one of the big things about flying is it teaches you to troubleshoot and to prioritize and and, uh, and to manage your, your resources and your time. Mm. It's one of the, the most critical factors of, of aviation. And um, uh, the best leaders... Um, you, you will notice when throughout your career are the ones who can prioritize well and you can bring out the best in people around them and um, not try and do everything themselves. You can you can delegate. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because it's a it's a team effort in that in the cop cockpit. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. So when you when you did the initial commercial flying, you said uh, to build up hours. Um, uh, but then you fly alone. Then you—it's—it's it's just you as the pilot flying in the, in an aircraft. Mm. Mm. Yes, yeah, so you're flying a little airplane, normally six seaters. I mean, the ones that I flew they were little Cessna two tens and three tens. That's a, a small six seater with uh, one or two engines, and uh, they fly at around three hundred kilometers an hour, just over the, the three three tens, a little bit quicker. But um, yeah, that, that in a in a country like Namibia, that put everything within about a two to a three hour range maximum. You know, for the furthest places, um, Katima Mulilo, which is right on the tip of the Caprivi Strip, and that took you about three and a half hours in a two ten. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we did quite a lot of uh, mercy flying as well. That was quite interesting flying because. Um, then you would go off in a, in a little um, 310, normally with a, a medic, and go and land on a road in the middle of, of the desert or uh, on, a, um, on a bush strip at night, lit up by car lights, and pick up someone who's, who's been injured or wounded or um, something like that. And um, it was a very interesting, interesting and exciting flying um, in hindsight. <laughs> Well, did but but uh, thinking of it that way because it's also very unique that 
uh, you know, that you could have done that, that type of flying to build up your hours, say, compared to other countries where people have different scenarios where they fly. Uh, do you mm. think that there's also that type of thing in South Africa that uh, that gives the pilots a different um, uh, sort of experience or a different way of flying? Absolutely, yeah. The, 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 um, I would say in, in the international arena, the, the best way to build up hours is through instruction. So you're basically learning by rote and teaching, teaching your younger colleagues how to fly. And uh, this bush flying, it, it's uh, it's more of an independent flying where you uh, you left to your own devices from an early age, and um, you have to make it work. I mean, I've been stuck out of in the bush where you have to hand start the line with uh, <laughs> if the starter doesn't work with the battery's flat you have to start it by hand you have to hand swing the propeller otherwise you're not going anywhere <laughs> and uh, there was at the time there was no cell phones or telephones or gps even if you, if you got lost you had to find where you were going and you can imagine i mean i don't know if you've seen namibia there's not many landmarks there so uh, you had to your map reading skill improved quite dramatically with that, uh, that kind of line. <laughs> yeah, and of course you yeah. have to, you, you look at, probably look at nature as well to guide you in, in certain ways with the, uh, or, or you have to know the territory a little bit. Yeah, you learn to recognize landmarks and uh, and like a, a little dry riverbed uh, and and like Oh, a little hill that's 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 prominent that you can see quite a long way off. You can pick those up on maps, and yeah, it's 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 a it's a nice uh, environment to to learn in and to grow mm -hmm. up in, as it were. But now, tell me your your career at SAA. Um, you you said that is that it's it's been a while that that you could, and I've also heard somebody else said that. Um, you know, that you notice that things are going downward? Well, I don't know if you're aware that um, the union that we were with SAPA, from a very early, um, very early on, we could already discern that, that they put Dudu Mieni in Jacob Zuma's then, I don't know if she still is, a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they put her in as the chairperson and she was very um, vindictive and bullying and... Um, manipulative and just steamrolled her way and got rid of anyone who, who opposed her. And uh, she very quickly set up a, a, a pilfering network there at SAA that everyone was powerless to stop. I mean, we were witness to it, but we could do nothing. And we instituted early on um, a delinquent director proceedings against her, but it took an immense amount of time and it only came to fruition after um, the, the company was bankrupt and already in business rescue. So um, just closing the horse after the horse bolted. Um, you know, the, the shareholder itself was um, was negligent in, in not taking action at the time because uh, if, it's, if it was your company and you're losing billions uh, as a shareholder, I mean, you would, you would never allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. So, um, unfortunately, that's a microcosm of what's happening in South Africa, and we're witnessing it everywhere around us. With 
Prasa, I see they've they found 3,000 workers on their payroll that aren't, that aren't doing anything. They're, they're ghost workers, for example. And, you know, just incompetence abounds everywhere. Yeah. But now um, it, it's really tragic because the South African Airways was a very um, respected airline and, and the pilots as well. You know, I've seen a documentary and and South Africa was quite on the forefront years ago um, in aviation because I I heard on this documentary or I seen that um, in America uh, you know the the Boeing's now I'm, I you know I I don't have the the right terminology to say but apparently Boeing used South African pilots to um, you know to to do upgrades and things or or to understand what. Uh, had needed to be done on the aircraft because of the flying conditions in South Africa. Yeah, we were instrumental with 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 both manufacturers. I mean, we were one of the with Airbus for the A three hundred. That was in the sanction era, and and before that, I mean, Boeing uh, the seven four sevens. They used to use what's called bump thrust to get airborne because Johannesburg is hot and high. They call it. Um, the air is thinner and with the higher temperatures and the thinner air, you needed much more performance to get the same weight airborne. So an airplane performance degrades quite quite significantly the higher you go and, and the warmer you get. So um, you, you, you um, uh, like for example, uh, um, a 747 or these, these big twins, they can carry a full load up to probably around about 50 degrees at sea level where that temperature drops down to about 25. Johannesburg. So um, the, this, the performance degradation, especially above the, even 20 degrees in Johannesburg, the, the, the airplanes have to leave payload behind in order to be able to meet climb gradients. Uh, and um, Boeing at the time experimented with water injection and uh, bump and um, and engineering departments at South African Airways uh, were legendary at the time. I mean, it's, this was before the time I joined in '97. But um, their jet shop could um, could produce better air, could fine tune those engines to the point where they could produce about 105 percent of what they were supposed to produce. Really, and um, using uh, water injection, which cooled the core down. So they could produce more thrust and, and add methanol, which also um, increased the power output of those engines for a short time. And um, and Boeing and South African Airways, um, we were one of the few people that were allowed to do that at the time. Amazing, and but I've also um, uh, you know heard that the you know if you take the the whole history of aviation, how South African Airways started initially. And this is really so tragic what what is happening at the moment it is yes it's it's very sad because um uh, they are pushing their agenda of um affirmative action uh, um above everything else you know at the expense of everything and um actually the pendulum has swung completely the other way if you, if you look it's almost historically exactly balanced where the ANC was a uh, was outlawed for exactly 30 years, and it's now been 28 years that they are, are in power and they're reaching the end of their, their um, term, as it were. They're, they're, even their own people are, 
are disgruntled with them and, and um, the writing's on the wall. You know, mm. the, the, the pendulum is away now. It's going to swing back and uh, hopefully there'll be a balance where um, society can work in unity. I mean, this BE thing is all well and good, but it's, it's at the cost of uh, uh, the well-being of the country and, and everyone's economic development because uh, um, yeah, it's, it's not I working. Yeah, but this is this is what I realized also during the pandemic is that um, how important uh, you know aviation is in in our lives. You know, it's not it's it's only we think of it as just we we just accept it as being here, but it's it's uh, it's really not that old industry, and uh, and yet mm. we are just flying all over the world, and and so many businesses, and I've been. Um, you know, also realizing here how many artists also fly over the world, you know, for concerts and things like that. And, you know, in all, <clears throat> all types of business, we really um, need uh, to travel by plane. But now in South Africa, if, if the biggest airline company, uh, you know, went bankrupt, what uh, what is the future then for the pilots and for you know for the country for the economy well that's a good question um the uh, i don't know if you know comair has also gone insolvent yeah. and so that's that's another huge company that's gone so they they had about i can't remember exactly i think it was about 30 airplanes so um South African Airways had about 64 at the high, at the peak, if I remember correctly, and now it's down to four in use, five or something like that. Um, and uh, Safair has expanded quite dramatically. So the so the the private guys that 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 were not indebted and that had a um, a fairly loose footprint that was ready to expand quickly, um, they they were able to capitalize but anyone who had any semblance of debt um, was was punished by this this period where they weren't able to fly so um semair and airlink and uh, safair seem to be filling the void quite nicely and then for the international travel it's just the the international carriers that are coming in at this stage but um yeah. mm -hmm. anyway, guess who, where it's going in the future but now for you, um, I mean, this is this must be very uh, difficult because you've had this pandemic and then, um, and I think there also a lot of pilots suffered in the sense that you couldn't do anything and you have to now also keep your licenses. Um, uh, what do you say? You know, like you, you have to, to keep up your... your um, flight tests and things that you do yes and, I just, mm. yeah i've been maintaining my license i've had to pay for the last three license renewals myself and uh, and do them um and at this stage uh, i my, i don't uh, i don't even want to fly in south africa anymore um uh i just uh, perceive that the the government don't want me here the mm. the locals don't want yeah, so <laughs> I'm going to go look for work elsewhere. And um, at this stage, America looks good. I'm, I've got I've got an application in for a for a, a specific type of visa where I can go and work and live there. 
and I'm hoping to hear back on that within the next month or two. Mm-hmm. And um, there's lots of opportunities there. Unfortunately, even in Europe, you need the right to live and work there. Mm-hmm. And um, the Middle Eastern carriers, it's nice to, to go and work there, but um, the, the environment to live in is not ideal. So mm-hmm. South Africa was a nice place to live and, and work, but uh, that's that's changing, unfortunately. And, and the, the economic conditions that are imposed on, on us by the government are really um, limiting opportunities of people and um, they're punishing um, punishing you for, for wanting to stay in South Africa and <laughs> and uh, excessive taxes with no return, um, oppressive regime. Uh, don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's um, you know it's the sad thing that also now South Africa is losing all these. Uh, pilots with great experience because that seems to be what's happening now you know that everybody has has to leave you know that they don't have the choice anymore yes exactly there are a few opportunities like with with Safair and Airlink that are expanding a little bit and semi that are filling the voids but yeah it's nowhere nowhere near what it was and and obviously you can also imagine they're taking advantage of of the fact that um the pilots are desperate and they, they, they're offering fractions of, of what, what the salaries were like. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a highly, it's a highly skilled position which takes a lot of dedication and hard work to, um, to get there and to work there. And it's, it's soul-destroying to sell yourself for, for a fraction of what you're worth yeah. and to be, be offered that and told, take it or leave it. Otherwise, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is something that I I really thought about also a lot is that um, the the time that that you spent working up to get to this position where you are, you know, it took, like you said, it took all these years of training Mm -hmm. and flying and building up hours and it's the financial cost as well. And um, I wonder if also the consumer has to take that into consideration when we always sort of shop for cheap flights and and things like that that we de- that we start realizing <laughs> what what we are what we are getting you know that it's it's for us yeah. just getting on a plane but i mean for you it takes it's it's really a big responsibility and and like you say it's constant training and it's constant renewing your license and so on to to get into that cockpit and to fly yeah absolutely i mean you you go as a pilot, it took me basically 20 years to get a command with, with South African Airways. And, and uh, when, when, you, when you go and apply for a position like that, it's, it's basically a for-life position because you, you go in on a seniority list and you work your way up the ladder. And um, so now I've been at South African Airways for 23 years when they let me go. And, um, uh, you know, now if I have to go and start somewhere else, I have to start at the bottom again as a, as a junior co-pilot unless I go and fly for a charter outfit or a um, corporate flying or something like that. If you go and fly for a, for another legacy carrier, you start at the bottom of the seniority list and I'm at 51. I'll only have another 14 years of flying. And it took me 14 years at South African Airways to get command. So if I were yeah. to go back to say United or, or something like that, I could, I might expect to get a one or two years of command there again. So, um, it's a grave injustice that, that they've done and they don't realize it. And um, 
unfortunately, time will tell. It's it's like um, in a couple of years' time when everyone wants to fly and airplanes are falling out of the sky because of poor training and cutting costs on training and poor maintenance and you know saving and skimping uh, on 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 costs where where you can't see it. Um, mm you pay down the line. Like, for example, those, those Max airplanes that crashed. Both of those Max airplanes, they, they blamed um, the aircraft. But if you look a little deeper, the, the crew that were on, on the, both of those airplanes, they said the captain was experienced, but he had only 5,000 hours. And that, um, in South African Airways terms, I joined South African Airways with 4,000 hours. And um, I, I got command with about 14,000 hours. And... Um, that guy who had 5,000 hours commanded only had about 100 hours experience on the airplane itself. And um, the co-pilot only had 200 hours. So he was basically flying on his own with, with an operator that's licensed to fly. And uh, when you're under pressure like that, um, mm. airplane, um, it was a runaway trim situation, but um, he, he, uh, he just wanted to get the automatics back in because of his high workload. And the American carriers had had a few instances of, of the same thing happening, but because of their much higher experience and um, the legacy carrier um, model, uh, the, the captain and the co-pilot were far more experienced and they could just fly the airplane, leave the automatics out and it was a non-event. But by putting in the autopilot, the trim took over again and, and pushed the airplane into an out-of-trim situation which they couldn't control. And both of those instances uh, the crash was actually induced by by um, inexperienced crew. Well, this, yeah, this, uh, and just proof again how important it is that you have this experience and that you, you know, that you put in the, all these hours to be able to fly. Yeah, absolutely. You, you need to have experienced crew, and, and unfortunately, you can't you can't microwave the experience. And you know, you can. You can train guys to a high standard, but you can only see so much in one hour. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, every hour that you're flying and, and the more diverse uh, people and environments you're exposed to, the more you learn. And also, you know, we, we waited a long time for command, but that was a good thing because you learned all the different styles of command that you saw from the other guys and you learned how you did and you didn't want to be. And um, it also is excellent um tools for for you one day when you when you do get them on to 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 manage your airplane in a in a professional manner in a safe manner mm. but now uh, for for young pilots now coming up uh, wanting to fly uh, do you think there's any um, possibility in south africa for the future look there's always going to be um, opportunities for for guys that are, are prepared to um, to work and to do it. My son has, has just started his, his um, commercial pilots. Uh, he's, he's flying as an instructor at Lanceria and he's enjoying it, he's loving it. But the pay is not very good and the hours are, are tough, but uh, he's loving it and he's, uh, he's having a great time. But it's, uh, you, you know, there's, there's no, um, it's, it's not cheap and uh, it's a lot of hard work and he will, he's got a long way to go before he can get to a, you know, to an airline and to command, but he's prepared to go the, go the, the course and his, his future prospects are also not in South Africa. He's also looking to leave as soon as he's got enough experience. Mm. Um, 
was was a um, was it uh, flying with you that gave him also the bug? I the think so. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because he, uh, my my father-in-law also flew for the Air Force, the South African Air Force. Uh, so so my son's grandfather flew for the Air Force. My father flew a bit, but he wasn't he wasn't flying when when my my son was was born, and you know it was a long time ago. Um, but all the exposure to the, the aviation talk, and also he flew with me from a very young age. They could come with some trips and things like that, which was very nice for them. And we got to see the world and travel and, and experience um, aviation. And uh, it was it was a, a very valuable thing to be able to pass on. And it's it's important to be able to do that. You know, yeah. it's not just about flying and about the career. You need to be able to build a uh, a life for your family as well and you know they, they want to squeeze more and more and more work out of people for less and less and less money so <laughs> you need to also balance that with the life and live, being able to look after your family um, yeah and of course as as a pilot you also you can't be at home all the time i mean you also fly if you do long haul flights you are also away a lot and uh, that's also a sacrifice yes um it's, it's a huge sacrifice that you make um and it's it's taxing on your body it's extremely tiring to to fly and, and the way they structure the overseas flights is um you basically especially for a for an airline they, they want to get as much um value as they can out of you so your trips are as long as they can be with as minimum uh, as little time off as possible to, so that you can rest and then um, as much work as they can extract from you coming back again. <laughs> so you yeah. are, you're, and they want to get as many hours per year and per month and per day as they can out of you. So mm -hmm. um, uh, to find a balance uh, and safety and still have a, a an enjoyable uh you know sometimes towards the end of my career at south african airways the destinations were getting fewer and and the, uh, i was flying on the domestic the the, the destinations were few and the, the they would make you sign on in the morning and fly all day and then sign off at night and um, mm. kind of unappreciated towards the end. Mm. Not to be ungrateful, but, um, you know, this kind of the sparkle gets lost afterwards, <laughs> if I yeah, can say and, that. Yeah, and I think the motivation as well, you know, like um, you need that mm. encouragement as well or that appreciation to be able to do it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Initially, when you start flying, it's it's wonderful. I mean, to fly is, is wonderful, but um, uh, you know, if they, if you feel like you're being exploited and and uh, oppressed, <laughs> then yeah. uh, you don't want to do it anymore. Mm. And uh, that's where I, I am at this stage in South Africa. Mm. I'm not prepared for for any of the carriers in South Africa anymore. Mm. But now, um, uh. I mean, you you won't be able to fly your whole life. I mean, you will be able to fly quite for a long time, but not not for an airline. Is there some? Yeah. Are you are you thinking of 
what you will do with retirement or or what you will do when you when you don't fly anymore well i'm pretty much semi-retired now and i've got a beautiful place where i'm living and on the river go for nice long walks and fishing and boating and and just enjoying the environment um taking up kiteboarding and uh oh wow uh, uh yeah just filling filling uh my life is uh rewarding uh, mm. areas that, that are good good for your soul <laughs> just give you peace yeah yeah but it must be strange um uh, also um flying now can you still fly smaller aircraft no not at all i haven't flown really? uh, anything but later for the last two and a half years yeah oh, okay. yeah so yeah unfortunately not okay i okay. don't have access to any airplanes here where i'm staying oh i see so, okay yeah mm. But um, Mark, um, but tell me now, your wish for the future um, would be to to leave South Africa and and to join an, another airline. Is that is that no. correct? I would like to go and, and fly overseas, um, hopefully in America, uh, mm. on someone's jet. So oh, fly that. Okay. Yeah, that would be a, a nice balance because then it'll. It will be challenging and um, exciting and not too much flying, uh, you know, not, not, I don't mind um, working hard, but um, I just must have purpose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just find that the airlines, 500 hours a year or 1,000 hours a year, minimum time, minimum rest, uh, maximum hours, uh, it's just pointless. <laughs> for me yeah. personally mm. uh, so um but i wish you i wish your your wish comes true or, or your dream comes true or your your vision to, to go and to be there and uh, you say you have some some options already yeah i've got to, i've applied for this visa and i'm hoping to get it and um yeah hopefully that'll that'll open new doors there yeah yeah well i hope for you and um really i feel you know i i for me it's so disappointing that that happened not not just about COVID, but that everybody was affected about uh, with but also that south african airline you know that that's no more yeah yeah it's a great pity but um uh, i wish south africa the best and i hope that it does improve it's uh it's um, it's a, options by uh, including being inclusive of the entire populace and not excluding um, any any group. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll we'll see where it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have I have just one last question for you. Uh, what can you do a shout out for your favorite restaurant or coffee shop there in Stolby? <laughs> it's, um, it's where my son is does a little bit of part-time wait waitering and yeah. they are a fantastic little, uh, little cafe bistro that, that have wonderful food and uh very nice ambiance 
Yeah, there's fantastic restaurants here. And uh, what's such the, a small... What's the, what's the restaurant called? Stara Himmel, which is Afrikaans for star heaven. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay, yeah. And and what type of food did they serve? Uh, it's 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 mainly like a, a coffee shop, but with some uh, uh, nice uh, um, what do you call it? Okay. Uh, yeah, bistro type type oh, food. Okay. I would. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh. okay, that's a lovely name. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Um, but it was so lovely to talk to you, Mark. Yeah, it's nice to chat to you too, Petra. I hope yeah, I could, uh... yeah, and it's good to have this up, you know, like people uh, talk about this because I think it's also important that people understand what's going on. Yeah, I'm glad that you, you're enlightening people to the to the, the situation in, in the world. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I hope, yeah. hopefully you can uh, think about a positive change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think if if um, I sometimes think if it's if it's what the people who are there experiencing what they are experiencing and talking about that that gives a different insight uh, into things than reading it say in the paper or or getting it as a perspective from somebody else. So if it's if it's you talking about it and you were there and you experience it, it's also a different. Uh, it's a different uh, way of, of uh, you know, getting the information. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, I really feel sorry for my colleagues that, uh, especially the younger guys that had any form of debt during this time because the way the company handled us, South African Airways, was abysmal. I mean, they they used the situation to exploit the pilots that were um, – I mean, you can imagine most most young families have have a home loan or a car that they purchased on on higher purchase, or and they just stopped paying them. And now with COVID, and in South Africa, there's there was no um, government assistance or anything like that, and they, we didn't have access to our our pensions, we didn't have access to any form of income, and um, the the young people. That, that, that I was surrounded by they, they lost cars, they lost houses, they lost, they were living in their parents' garages they were forced by the, by the shareholder of the government, the South African government um, exploited them to such an extent that, the, that they were pushed into a corner that they, they couldn't do anything but accept really, really crummy terms of surrender and the agreement that they forced on us was a quarter of what they owed us and um, we were forced to take it or leave it. And 90% um, uh, of the guys were pushed out of there with a fraction of what South African Airways was supposed to pay them. And uh, it was a take it or leave it situation. <laughs> if you wanted access to your savings, your pension, your money, so that you could survive, you had to take it. So mm -hmm. um, they will reap what they sow in the South African government. You're seeing it now, their poverty and their, their corruption that's that's life. They are they are unfortunately going to um, be brought down to their knees as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I feel I it's 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 heartbreaking, to, you know, if if you think these guys, like you say, your colleagues who have spent all this time and all this money to 
get into the career. And it's not something that you just, you know, it's not a switch that you just switch off. You know, it's uh, it's not something you can do on the side. It's something that you really invest a lot of your time and your life into. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a, a fleeting thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mark, I wish you a wonderful day and... Whenever yeah. you come to you, you can't you don't fly to well, maybe one day you'll fly to Vienna when you're in from America. Yeah, hopefully. Would you let <laughs> <Yeah>. me know? <laughs> I'll do that. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, I'll look back will, when I'm there. <laughs> we can go for a coffee here in Vienna. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but um yeah, have a wonderful and thank you thank you so much for your time and for this thank lovely you. conversation. Thank you.